The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. And welcome to a brand new episode of the Two Point Conversation. Football talk for fans, by fans, right here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, your host for the first portion of this show. And my oh my, what a wonderful, wonderful conference championship weekend that we just got to live through and experience Uh can't feel nothing but good vibes from this one, I think, right? Uh, unless you're, of course, on the losing side. But, man, if you did not have a team in it, you got to be feeling pretty good right now. I, I At least I would think so. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm happy. I think we have a wonderful, like, two very likable quarterbacks going head-to-head. It is a uh, – it's refreshing. It's nice to see. And uh, congratulations to our conference champions. So, Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a fun Super Bowl in two weeks. Let's kick it off, everybody, with our conference championship weekend roundup. First and foremost, the Cincinnati Bengals are AFC champions. Who would have thought? We certainly didn't hear. We didn't expect big things from the Bengals this year, and we are happy to say that we are wrong. The Bengals overcame a 21-3 deficit to win the Lamar Hunt Trophy and advance their first Super Bowl in well over 30 years with a 27-24 victory over the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, if things weren't looking good, Casey's defense is playing you know, as well as they can. We know that they've been coached up really well. Dave Spagnuolo um, has his guys prepped for that back half, back quarter, and in, in the postseason run every single year, and uh, he had them shutting out everything that Cincy could do. But eventually Cincinnati in the second half started to find their groove, really, and uh, and wore down that defense, and, and Burrow, Mixon, you know, Higgins, Chase, everybody, the defense. The defense put Patrick, kept Mahomes scoreless until the end of the fourth, towards the end of the fourth quarter when the Kansas City had to settle for a game-tying field goal. Unbelievable. It was one heck of a game. Bengals fans, I am so happy for you. And, of course, we did just talk to Joe Goodberry on uh, Saturday, well, for our Saturday episode. And, you know, for somebody who supported the team as long and diehard as he has to get get to witness that, uh, I'm happy for them. And, and Houday Nation, whatever you guys call yourself, Bengals fans, uh, congratulations on that. You know, it's nice to be excited about your football team. I'm sure it is. Your scoring drives for this game. All right. Open up. Casey wasted little time. They scored a touchdown. Mahomes hits Tyreek Hill for a 10-yard touchdown pass. 7-0 lead there for the Chiefs. Evan McPherson hits a 32-yard field goal to put the Bengals on the board. 3-7. Then right before, not right before, but before the end of the first quarter, Patrick Mahomes hits Travis Kelsey for a five-yard touchdown, 14-3. We go into the second. Mahomes hits Miko Hardman for a three-yard touchdown, 21-3. And then before halftime, Joe Burrow hits Samaje Pirine for a 41-yard touchdown, 10-21. Second half, Evan McPherson hits a 31-yard field goal, 13-21. And then Joe Burrow hits Jamar Chase for a two-yard touchdown, uh, tw- tied at 21 going into the fourth. Evan McPherson's a 52-yard field goal, 24-21. And Harrison Butker, 44-yard field goal is good, tied at 24. So we go into overtime, second straight week, overtime, Kansas City Chiefs. And they won the toss. But a big-time interception puts the Bengals in the perfect spot. They make some big plays. They get downfield, and Evan McPherson on the second possession of overtime total uh, puts the game away with a 31-yard field goal. Bengals win 27-24. Your stats for the day are as follows. Joe Burrow, 
23 of 38, 250 yards passing, two touchdowns, one INT. Leading rusher, Joe Mixon, 21 attempts, 88 yards. And your leading receiver, T. Higgins, six catches, 103 yards. For the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, 26 of 39, 275 yards passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Leading rusher, Jarek McKinnon, 12 attempts, 65 yards. And your leading receiver, Travis Kelsey, 10 catches, 95 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Yes, Bengals on their way to SoFi Stadium to play uh, the the second, right, crazy, two years in a row, the home home, uh, stadium, home team gets to play in the Super Bowl. They are playing the Rams, who edged out the 49ers 20-17. Another team happy, super happy for. They made a big-time trade. They went away from Jared Goff for... Matthew Stafford, who'd been, whose career was dwindling in Detroit. Stafford kind of getting that, you know, showing that the trade was worth it. The fact that they even made it back to the Super Bowl is a tremendous sign. And Matthew Stafford gets the opportunity of a lifetime to go win a Lombardi trophy. And, uh, yeah, congratulations to this Rams team. They are awesome. Uh, they are so good. They are pumped. They are ready. I know San Fran made it tough on them. San Fran's beaten them, I think, eight consecutive times until today. So um, yeah, this was a uh, this was a big deal for the for Los Angeles Rams fans, for Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay, uh, the owners, a culmination of a lot of things. But want to give kudos to San Francisco, man. They made things tough. They did not roll over for the Rams. Um, but yeah, a costly uh, final drive turnover interception from Jimmy Garoppolo. Terrible throw. Uh, pretty much put the game away for helped put the game away for the Rams. Um, yeah, so your scoring drives for this game. Matthew Stafford starts off with uh, scoring with a Cooper Cup touchdown, 16 yards, go up 7 nothing. Second quarter, Jimmy G hit Debo Samuel for a 44-yard touchdown. We're tied at 7. And then just before halftime, Robbie Gold hits a 38-yard field goal, 10-7 to there. Third quarter, Jimmy Garoppolo hits George Kittle for a 16-yard touchdown. We're at 17-7. to Then Matthew Stafford answers back with a Cooper Cup 11-yard touchdown pass, 17-14. to And then two field goals in the fourth quarter helped put the game away for the Rams. First, a 40-yard kick from Matt Gay, and uh, and then a 30-yard field goal from Matt Gay to go to win the game 20-17. to Your stats on the day are as follows. Jimmy G, 16-30, 232 yards passing, two touchdowns, one INT. Leading rusher, Debo Samuel, seven attempts, 26 yards. And your leading receiver was also Debo Samuel. Four catches, 72 yards, and a touchdown. For the Rams, Matthew Stafford, 31 of 45, 337 yards passing. Two touchdowns when INT. Leading rusher was Cam Akers, 13 attempts, 48 yards. And the leading receiver, Cooper Cup, 11 catches, 142 yards, and two touchdowns. The Bengals and the Rams. Who would have thunk it? But that's where we're at, everybody. Uh, Stay tuned. Second half of the show. Uh, myself and Andrew are going to take a look and see what the NFL would look like uh, today or what the, world, the landscape of professional football would look like today if the original 14 teams from the NFL had survived. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, listeners, I am joined now by Andrew Lenz for our weekly What If episode. Um, Andrew, thank you for joining me. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's uh, supposed to be another beautiful day here in Jerry's world. <laughs> I'm waiting for my, uh, well, it's kind of for me, but I guess I could say it's for the family just because I got to make it sound that way. My son's all pro robotic passer. It's a toy that, well, you can just play catch by yourself with because it'll throw you the football yourself and you get to choose passing routes to run too as well. That's pretty cool. You were telling me about that the other day. So that is uh that is pretty that is pretty neat. I didn't have any friends growing up, so uh that would have been pretty neat. So I still don't know. Yeah. Anyways, uh <laughs> I don't hang out with anybody. I I'm a loser. Anyways, um so today's what if episode, it's a little different. All right, we're not taking a specific moment in NFL history, um, but I guess in a sense, a a business, a business one. It's more business. It was something that happened over time. Um, we want to take a look back at the early days of the of of 
of the National Football League. So uh, 1920, basically when it first started, the original 14 teams that, uh, that, that were signed to the National Football League and discuss what it would be like if they had survived, if those teams had survived and, I guess, thrived within their respective places. What would the NFL, what would the landscape of the National Football League look like today? Well, even more so going into the, um, you know, into the AFL territory and such. But, um, but what what would the landscape of the National Football League look like today? Um, I wanted to do a throwback one. There's a lot of very, very old subjects that we have not come close to talking about. Um, we, we've kept ourselves mostly in Super Bowl era. Andrew, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, we definitely have. Super Bowl era. And there's a lot like, you know, we do NFL history here. It's kind of where we reserve, reserve a lot of the older conversations for. But I thought it'd be cool to kind of look at this one because this is the foundation of which the NFL was built on, right? This this. 1920 meeting in Akron, Ohio, um, that you know paved the way for what the NFL is today. Now, now over I think 101, 102 years old officially. Uh, you know, and all these, all these, these teams, these early, you know, these early teams, trial and error teams that you know didn't quite make it out of the first decade of of the NFL. And I wanted, you know, I I thought it'd be kind of cool and interesting to see how. Um, to, to, to kind of guess, there's really no roadmap to this thing. Just kind of guess how these teams would look like. Um, for those who don't know, the original 14 teams, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's, it is 14. The number is 14. Um, we have the Akron Pros, the Canton Bulldogs, the Cleveland Tigers, the Columbus Panhandlers, and the Dayton Triangles. Those are te- all teams out of Ohio. There's four teams from Illinois, the Chicago Tigers, the Decatur Staleys, which are now the Chicago Bears, the Racine Cardinals, which were um, um, eventually dubbed the Chicago Cardinals, but those are our current Arizona Cardinals this day, as well as the Rock Island Independents. There were two teams from Indiana, the Hammond Pros and the Muncie Flyers, or as Andrew likes to pronounce, the Munchie Flyers. Munchie Flyers. Andrew you could tell we're big. We're, you could tell we're big boys when we, we say stuff like that. <laughs> and uh, and two from New York, which is where we're from. Well, Andrew originally from. I currently live here. Uh, the Buffalo All Americans and the Rochester Jeffersons. And there's one more from Detroit uh, or from Michigan called the Detroit Heralds. Those are the original teams. Uh, but one by one, these teams started to fall off. Whether it be attendance, whether it be um, not being on the field teams. There's a lot of different issues when it came to keeping these teams alive. And, you know, it was, it was actually relatively inexpensive. Oh, eh, inflation. I, I don't really. Um, what was it? $100. I think it was $100 to buy into the league. So it wasn't super expensive, you know. What's that today, Mr. Inflation Calculator? Should I do that? Should I do that? I I think it would be fun because, like, right now you got owners that are buying these teams for billions of dollars. Like what, what was David Tupper? David Tupper paid billions of dollars for the, for the Panthers, which is, I don't know, crazy in my mind. I mean, I, the guy, I, I could still afford an NFL team in tw- <laughs> with inflation. That's how crazy this is. $1,394 and one cent with inflation. So we could get ourselves a two-point conversation NFL team. We could. If we get a time machine that we always wanted. Um, But I mean, I get it. The value of football has increased tremendously. Um, But it is still pretty crazy to think that 100 bucks to get you an NFL team back in the day. But, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But this is one of those things, though, where it's so – it's so new. Baseball ruled early America. Yeah. Like you think about even early America going even into, you know, the fifties and everything else, baseball was still the sport. And it's so weird today that baseball has fallen off so much because basketball was going through much of the same thing, even though I think they started much. I think they started maybe a little bit later around the same time as professional football. 
but you're competing with this monster of baseball and you can put it in perspective is XFL and things of that nature. You know, people say, why would I want to watch the XFL when I can watch the NFL two different sports, but who do you have for me to go see? I know they named Jim Thorpe as president. So it's like, well, we have Jim Thorpe. He's our president. Yeah. But is Jim Thorpe playing. Right. Who, who, who is your star? As we get into the 1920s, you know, Babe Ruth's pretty big with the, with the, with the Boston Red Sox. There's so many great players around this early part of baseball where why do we want to go watch guys run into each other when baseball just seems as like the more, uh, graceful beautiful sport in a way yeah like it was it was america's sport back in the day you talk about at you know um it's you know it's as american as apple pie i think that there's some phrase like that that's what baseball was it was super popular so the nfl had to establish itself in these smaller markets and stuff um you know establish yourself in these smaller markets to to kind of get a foot uh, uh, just start building up I mean, you could see there's not a a ton of big market teams, right? Outside of, um, you know, the Chicago Tigers. You know, I know the Staley's were, um, you know, in Decatur, which I don't think is too far away from actual Chicago, downtown Chicago. Cleveland's a pretty, I think, pretty decent sized city at this time. Um maybe Columbus, but other than that, you know, Buffalo's just formulating, right? Buffalo is a relatively new city at this point, maybe 40 years in and, you know, Rochester, you got Detroit. Those are really the the big markets. So less than half, maybe about a quarter of these original teams were actually big market squads. Um, And a lot of the, and ironic too, because a lot of those big market squads did not make it, you know, very long. You don't hear a whole lot about the Cleveland Tigers or the, the Detroit Heralds. Uh, you know, the Chicago, I just realized there's two teams with the name, nickname Tigers in there, but you don't hear about those teams a lot, you know, but what if they did have, a, you know, find a way to survive? I think, I always think that's a interesting perspective. I'm actually really surprised that there's not more professional teams in Ohio. I think that's my biggest, um, probably my biggest thing is why isn't there more football teams in Ohio? That's the birthplace of, of modern professional football. And why isn't there more teams there? But what I, I think my, my initial reaction to this, you know, what if these teams had survived, um, you know, what if these teams had survived? And I guess there's, you know, we got to say, you know, in their respective cities, uh, I don't know if football would be viewed as prominently as today. I don't think so either. Cause I'm pretty sure these names were, I'm looking at the names, but the okay. mascot, the, 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 the mascot yeah. names. Yeah. The mascot names, the nicknames. I think even if they stayed in the city, you almost would have to change these names because like, like, like I said, you're competing with baseball. Do you really, can you really picture somebody today being like, Hey, who's your favorite football team Matt?" And be like, well, I like the Dayton Triangles. The Dayton Triangles are really cool. Instead of saying the Indianapolis Colts. I think that's where the big, kind of one of the big failures were. Like, Is the mascot name choice? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. Why, well, I'm saying why they wouldn't be able to keep on succeeding. I know where the failures were. Failures were was you're, you're in the 1920s. This is before television, everything else. So the way you're going to make your money is you're going to draw people in. It's like anything in this world. You got to draw people in. Uh, I like early rest, wrestling history. Right. Okay. Yes. Some of these guys did have television contracts, but I come to find out some territories had to allow TV stations to play their, you, you know, run their matches for free. So it depends on what their draw is. And I understand that these probably didn't draw as much as say a baseball game. And like you said, you can't compete. Could the Buffalo all Americans compete with 
the New York Giants and the New York Yankees at the time. Maybe the New York Yankees, but I don't think they're competing with the New York Giants. Or are they really in, in like a competitive market though? I mean, that's 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 two completely opposite ends of the state. Well, that's what well, that's what I'm 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 getting at is oh, I see. like you said, Buffalo is so small. Right. And I understand these are all very, very small market teams, other outside of Chicago, maybe Cleveland and Detroit. I mean, Detroit's Detroit's, Detroit's in his prime at that time. It's got to be. Yeah, his prime I was going to say. So I'm actually surprised that the Detroit Heralds. I don't even know how long they lasted, but I think it was only a few years. I'll look it up. Uh, oh, they folded. The, oh, they went by a couple of different names. 1928. Yeah, they fall in 28. What is that? Nine years? Yeah, they, I mean they were they were founded pre NFL. Uh, two heralds in, in 1905. But man, you're in the city of Detroit, which is booming at this time, right? The the, the motor capital of the world, all right, Motor City, all right, and you know couldn't get a foothold. I mean, what what's what's this? What happens if a you know, if a if a football team gets established there from very early on, I mean, right away you don't have the Lions. I mean, I think that's that's a plus, maybe. But the Ford family doesn't own it, which also could be a plus. But you do have the when you have the Ford family associated with the with the Detroit Lions, um, you know, it's pretty cool. It's intriguing, and we all know that the Lions weren't like terrible back in the day, right? I think they won an NFL championship in the '30s. And the fifties in the fifties, they were pretty much a powerhouse in the fifties. They were one of the good till Bobby Lane cursed them. Yeah. But with the name thing, if you look, they only kept the name Harold's for one season. And then they went to the Tigers, the Panthers. And then when they finally folded, folded, they were known as the Wolverines. And that also goes blows our Ford sponsorship, so we are, will no longer be sponsored by Ford. <laughs> <laughs> no chance of that. No, probably Chevy, not. We love you, uh, <laughs> but yeah, they they just some of these cities are weird. I don't know. Well, one we talked about before is one that you used to you used to live there. I visited maybe Rochester twice in my life to go to like the Strong Museum of Play. So outside of driving to and from, I do too. It's so cool. I just want to break open the glass and Mm. just play with the toys. Oh, yeah. I I swear that would be the only thing that'd be like, man, got busted. I'll play with like an old ATAT or something. Oh, yeah. Like, are you stealing it? No, I'm going to put it back. I just just want to play with it for a minute. (laughs) Uh, But it is, uh, is Rochester, like we talked about this a little bit before and I said, could you see, you know, even in that time, I think it's been a couple, some years since you lived there, but could you see Rochester supporting this team all the way through? Right. And I mean, maybe back in that time, possibly, right. If you think back to this early, I can't, it's hard for me to picture a pro sports team there. There now they have a lot of you know semi-pro teams lower league they have their Rochester Red Wings baseball team which is a feeder for oh Christ it used it, to be the Orioles I, think I don't it, know who used to be the, yeah I think it used to be the Orioles maybe Minnesota the Twins I I, I can't remember but we also the you know, Rochester also has the you know the All Americans which are the Amerks they're or no, they're not the Almer. It's just the Rochester Americans or the Amherst that feeds the Buffalo Sabres. Um, so they're they're pro sports team starved. Yeah, they have the Rochester Rhinos and soccer, but it's all these like these smaller ones. Uh, it's just hard for me to really picture football, like a pro football team lasting that long in Rochester. But you know, who knows if if they do last, if they do survive, if enough people, you know, come out and support them. Rochester's I always look at it as, as Buffalo's little brother <laughs> in a sense, right? Like Buffalo is just so loud and boisterous and like football team just fits their culture. But I, I don't know. I, it's, 
as far as going this far in the league, having two teams an hour and a half apart in Western New York, it, it seems, I, I don't know. I don't know if it would work. I, I, I don't think, I don't think it would work, but if it did, you know, it, Rochester might have, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. That's, I mean, you could also look at the flip side. If they did survive, is Rochester the city it is today? Right. Might be bigger. Might be, it might be considered bigger. If you really get behind that sport, it, it could be bigger. You know, the Rochester football is an alluring, you know, pro football team is an alluring uh, feature of a city. You know, you get a cool rivalry with Buffalo, an age old, you know, a hundred plus year old rivalry at this point with with Buffalo, and it 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 definitely changes some things. Uh, it, it's crazy. It is crazy to think, you know, them possibly surviving. Reading. Could you? Yeah. I I would like to. That's almost like that rivalry would be older than the Packers and the Bears. Yeah. Yeah, because it goes back in the late 1800s, I think the the Rochester team. There's some influences there from the early or from the late 1800s, if if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they were. This this was. We, I mean, we still talk about it to this day. At this point, this is just starting out bare minimum. I mean, we started the retro league. And how many changes have we made to that since we started? Right. And that's what I, that's what I got to look at it is when I look at these 14 teams, you got to think about all the change. And at some point you knew that some of these teams were just not going to, going to make it. I see the, the Hammond pros and the Muncie flyers were just traveling teams, which most, I mean, most teams were, and then you're looking at the Buffalo All-Americans. They played at two different places. So if you don't have an established home, where do you where do you go? I mean, I know it was common for barnstorming tours and stuff like that. But just when you think today in today's NFL mindset, could you just imagine a team be like, well, where does your team play? Well, they don't have a home. They're always on the road. Yeah. I would think at some point they, you know, if, if, you know, this, this, this trajectory that we're talking about, you know, they they get established, they have to find a home at some point you'd imagine. Right. You know, the, the, these cities that they're a part of have to open up a home to them. But this this is the, this is the funny thing. I could see why they didn't have a home. Hamilton pros their first season, they were two and five. Next season, they were. Overall, because they did play teams outside of the NFL, which is like mind blowing today's standards, too. They were one, five, and two. That was their overall because they did play teams outside. 1922, they were zero, five, and one. (laughs) Yeah, they're just, I don't, oh, finally, 1924, two, two, and one. And that's the other thing that was up against a lot of these teams too, is the scheduling. If you look at these schedules, they, this team played, played five games, but yet you have at this point, the Frankfurt yellow jackets are in the league and they're playing 14 games. Right. So that's when it, there's a there's a lot of issues here at the core of of the NFL. I think that's that's basically at the NFL at this time trying to figure stuff out. I think there's definitely a lot of issues in in that regard that didn't really necessarily help. Mm-hmm. You know, in the cases of this, I mean, we, we look back at the, the 1920 NFL championship game or 1920 or 21 when Buffalo had it pretty much won, and then they they said they they challenged the the Staley's. And the Staley's ended up swindling them and, and walking away with the NFL championship. It, like this lawlessness. Pottsville Maroons. Pottsville Maroons. You know, a lot of good, a lot of good squads there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it, I, I don't think the NFL is as popular as it is no. with, 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 I think to summarize this first, you know, part of this episode up, I, the NFL isn't remotely as popular today as it was back, you know, it, 
as it you know as it as it could have been if you stay in those small market squads um and you know it's just a further it's a snowball effect right if you if you stay in those cities and and you maintain them uh you know maybe the tv money isn't there maybe the the advertisement money isn't there and maybe the the attendance money isn't necessarily there either and you know what who's going to want to play professional football for you know at least if we fast forward all the way to today for the kind of money that they could probably only offer without a lot of those aspects. Yeah, it would have been, but if they would have succeeded, let's, I'd like to look at that. Are we talking, are we talking better about Buffalo? Is Buffalo not just playing second fiddle in New York constant? Or in New York, in New York State to New York City playing second fiddle. Are are they among there? Say that's a good question. The Buffalo All Americans just burst, and they're like, "Wow, look at this! Look at this cool football team." Okay, well, we're gonna keep this going and stuff and stuff of the nature, and see where we can get. We're gonna bring in. We we we're looking at big time money and everything else because of how good they are. America's going to fall in love with the game of football. Buffalo could be different. We could still have the Canton Bulldogs in there. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at Canton in a completely different light. Maybe even Cleveland where, you know, some people dump on Cleveland. Detroit's already on the upswing, no matter what. But like we said, with Rochester, I think Rochester, we're we're gonna go, we're gonna go to Rochester because Matt lived there. We've both kind of been to Rochester, so yeah. we know what Rochester is now, in a sense, and everything else. Yeah, I mean, I, when the XFL was recently looking for places, there was a huge campaign to get an XFL team there. I would have loved to see how that panned out. Uh, you know, people love football. People love professional football. And, you know, I almost think it takes away from the Buffalo team. I I, I really do. And when you have, you know, that's been the, one of the Bills' biggest strengths is that it pulls people from Rochester and from like the, the, the southern tier, you know, Erie, Pennsylvania, those those kind of northern parts of PA. It's it's pulled, you know, Jamestown. It's it's pulled a lot of audience from there. Um so this is why I, th- I don't think that like football would maybe not be as prominent in Western New York as it is today. If those original teams had survived, cause they're, you know, they're kind of just they're almost leeching out right now that Buffalo, you know, take again, takes from that Rochester market. If you have two teams that close to each other in a not so populated area, it's definitely not as populated. Like you can't pull this off the same way that you could do the giants, both playing in, you know, or the Giants and Jets both playing in New York or the Rams and Chargers playing in, in LA. I don't know. I, you know, that's where I think it, it, it's, it, it restrains the, it, it restrains the growth essentially of the sport, um, especially in that area. And I mean, these are two original NFL teams that, you know, I just, I, I don't think they would, I, I don't think they would respectfully do well. Um, but they're original. If I mean, if they're, if they're, what I mean by doing well is this, or not doing well is this, you know, they're, they're still getting an audience. They're still staying afloat, but they're just not uber popular, right? They're just not popular in the sense that, you know, they're not making tons and tons of money. They're doing enough to stay afloat, but they're not making tons and tons of money. Yeah. It, everything's just so, so, so small market. I think today, if you did, if they did put a USFL team or an XFL team into these smaller markets, I think you would see more of a result than you putting another team in New York, like you were saying. Yeah. Is because that they want football. It doesn't matter what kind of football football they're going to get. As long as it's pretty decent, they're going to do that. But that's football being popular now. Back then, I think this was kind of a, like you said, most of these teams were just, most are all, okay, other than two, 
we're just destined to fail. Like, how do you, you you're, you're competing with the, I all go back to it. You're competing with the mega giant of baseball and what's your medium to, if you can't go to the game, you have what radio radio at this time. So TV, could you uh, imagine TV is starting to grow a little bit, but as again, is TV going to invest its time and energy at these broadcast stations, which it costs a lot of money to broadcast at this time too. Yeah. Are they going to waste their time showing football? And how, and how many people in these small markets probably actually own a TV? Right. That's, that, that's like the huge thing there is that not too many people do it. And you have radio. And could you imagine 1920s football on radio? I mean, it would be cool for maybe us to listen to. But back then, would you rather, what are you going to hear? So I'd rather so, listen to Babe Ruth. I'd yeah. rather listen to Babe Ruth. And so-and-so up the middle. So-and-so to the right. So-and-so to the left. He got five yards. He got two yards. He got five yards. Oh, they might throw. Oh, no, no pass there. Because it's not a, it's today you can listen to a football game on the radio and and it's kind of fun. It's energetic because you pick up the audience. You can hear the audience, the the crowd in the background. Right. Because there's more people there and there's a passing game and it's not constant run clashing up the middle clashing up the middle so that's where these kind of i'm like with you it was almost a trial and error and they were destined to fail and you knew that there was going to be casualties from the start of it yeah yeah i mean it's as easy as this to to buy into to your league yeah i mean that's that's one of those cases but I mean, I still think pro football is around to this day, and there's still some more yeah. aspects of this to talk about, but I still think pro football is around to this day, but it's just, again, if those original ones are still there, the, 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 you know, the, uh, the foundation of this NFL is, is still there, um, it's probably at the same league as, or same level as like uh, North American soccer, right? The MLS, is that what they call it? It's honestly probably like that. I, um, I would have. I would agree with you on that one. Or uh, I know they always seem like they have a crowd, but most of the Canadians that I've ever met, they don't talk about the CFL. Right. And I think it's at to that level of what it is. You're getting, you're not getting Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is going to play baseball. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I'm just using relative players of what they are now. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, all these guys who were drafted. Yeah. Multi, Deion Sanders, multifaceted. Bo Jackson, multifaceted athlete. Yeah, John Elway. They're, they're going to baseball. Going to there's, baseball. The money, there's the money there, and then you know that affects the legacy of of the game. It it does no doubt. So I think that's that's pretty much where it goes. Is you're getting second tier college athlete. Well, I think, you know, like, another, you, I like, I'm glad you brought up college because I think college yeah, is the biggest market of football. I mean, it's not obviously not pro football, but college was a lot more higher regarded back then than pro football at the time, pro football or college football had been going on since the late 1800s. I think 1880s, 1890s, we start getting some of these early Ivy League schools, uh, you know, establishing themselves as football squads. But if listen, if pro football can't break through, it's it's going to be college. College is going to be the be all end all. Still, there's so much. It's really cool how 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 much money and pride goes into college football. Uh, you know, seeing a you know one school go up against another, like a Michigan versus Ohio State. You know, those rivalries are going to, they're going to last forever. The sport's not going to die. I guess I can compare it to, in that regard, in that regard, I can compare it to a sport that I'm very familiar with, with, with wrestling, where the collegiate level, you know, it's there, there's opportunities, national championships and stuff. But after college, there really isn't a whole, you know, there really isn't a whole lot with wrestling. And I think if that, you know, if these pro teams are still small market, you know, doing well enough, but not, you know, making the billions and billions that we see to this day, 
um, there's a huge drop. There's just a huge drop off in interest after that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because Red Grange, the first big NFL star, even said himself, he would have been more respected if he would have joined the Compone the Compone mob than <laughs> joining the Chicago Bears. So, but it, I think it's one of those things. It's there. It's a guilty. I the best way to say it is I think it's a guilty pleasure over anything else. Like you say, you watch pro football, but a lot of people might not understand it where they're like, Hey, but Notre Dame's playing USC or this team's playing this team in college. Like you said, instead of, Hey, the Dayton triangles are playing the Buffalo all Americans. <laughs> like, yeah, that doesn't really matter too much to me. And I think you would see like the one fanatic guy, maybe out of a group of 10, if that, that's like, yeah, I'm all about Ooh, go, go triangles. Yeah. <laughs> I just love saying Dayton triangles. I know it is a fun name to say. <laughs> I picture it's like uh, the movie semi pro where that one dude, uh, the one guy who's dating the former love interest of, uh, yes. Of, uh, uh Mox. Is it Mox? Yeah. I think they call them Mox. Oh bro. Mox got traded to Flint. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> got traded for the washing machine. <laughs> Did you know that something really did kind of like that happen in the NBA? Did it really? Kyle Korver got paid or uh, got traded, I think, from the Nets to the Sixers. And they needed, and the Sixers needed a new copier machine. Oh, so I did. The money, the money that they got from the Kyle Korver trade, they used to buy a copy machine. <laughs> yeah, it was. He was drafted by the, he was drafted by the Nets. Nuts, and he got traded to the Sixers for like cash, and they used that money to buy a new copy machine. Amazing, amazing. But I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's where the, the level that 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 I mean, football's at. You know, it's 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 crazy to think that you know the closing down of these early franchises yeah, obviously was for the best in the long run. You know, uh, and, and, you know, there's obviously room for expansion. You know, we, we can't, you know, forget about that. The NFL does have room for, for expansion. We do know it expanded into uh, Pittsburgh and eventually the Big Apple. And, you know, it, with, with New York, with the New York Giants, Boston with the original, you know, iteration of the Redskins and, you know, several of these, these, these squads, it, it does expand, but do these teams want to expand into professional football? If, if it's not big enough. I think it comes down to one of those things though, where you get into, like you said, with the MLS soccer and even in a USFL situation and even why the NF, why the AFL started, do you want to own a professional franchise? Yeah. And I think that's what it comes down to. I, I mean, even if it's not the coolest thing in the world, but wouldn't you like to say that you own a professional sports franchise, even if you own a minor league, minor league team? Yeah. I mean, you're still the owner of something. So that's where that one crazy centric millionaire will say at the time, even, you know, would be like, Hey, I'll put up money. And I think that's what it would take for it to grow. I know Cleveland did end up having had the Cleveland Rams, but then they moved to Los Angeles and they were, you know, find success. Right. Cleveland didn't really get established until the fifties. Yeah. AFC. Yep. So that's where you got to look at it is there's going to be somebody out there that's going to try and expand the league and try and make it better. We have the USF. USFL, I think, is the greatest example. Yeah. Because you 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 had Trump and Trump brought in money and all the other owners were like, Yeah, he's got he's got money, so we're gonna save he's gonna save the league. But it's one of those things is it's it's definitely not as popular. No. College football is still reigning supreme. The I do, have another, I do have another theory too. I do have another theory. Okay. I don't yeah. even think we get to the USL. Oh, we will get to the USFL period. I think with the NFL, but you think it's going to fold? What the the NFL? The NFL? 
I don't necessarily know that, but I oh, maybe I think that the AFL comes out and wins. Maybe it's not as hard, right? It's not as big of a challenge or, you know, it, it's, yeah. the, you know, the one thing, or you could look at it. Cause you said like the AFL wins out. Maybe the AFL doesn't happen and they allow expansion sooner. You mean the the NFL as far as that they don't they don't they don't push like, away people to buy right yeah they're like okay we have something here and then you just don't have the AFL at all that's entirely possible that's that's a nice little double reverse there um, it, it's true it it is certainly possible you know you get those markets are pushing away you know people interested in you know Oakland KC uh, Denver. Los uh, San Diego, excuse me, San Diego. Well, it was originally Los Angeles, then San Diego for one year. For one year, uh, the Patriots, the Dolphins. You know, if you have a Bills, you know, if you have a Buffalo squad, maybe, maybe not. But um, I mean, because that's pretty much what the AFL was. Like guys like Ralph Wilson, Lamar Hunt wanted, kind of wanted their own team, and the NFL was like, no, I don't think we're going to expand right now. But on the flip side of that, do they even want to be a part of the NFL? Do they want to create their own identity to, to topple it? I mean, you could really yeah. – there's a huge rabbit hole that goes here. And I think that the AFL walks away with it because of the markets that they 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 proposed and chose. You know, they were uh, – these that guys were all around football and all these owners, right? Ralph Wilson was closely tied with Detroit. Um, you know, Davis was just such a big fan of it, um, you know, personally. There's a lot of it, who was he part owner of? I don't know. Was he part owner? He was with somebody. I thought. I think somebody affiliated with the NFL. Oh, he would hunt. Oh, he attempted to purchase the Chicago Cardinals in 1959 with the intention to move them to Dallas, but was turned down. Hmm. So that was the problem there. Is he wanted a team, and they were like, "No, you're not going to buy this team and move them." Even though the Chicago Cardinals have moved like 90 million different times, uh, or changed their name since the inception in 1920, you know, Chicago, St. Louis, Phoenix, then Arizona. Yeah, but I think, I think, yeah, that's another possibility. Maybe they're like, "Hey, we can do it better," because. The AFL was way different than the NFL. This was a passing league with a totally, entirely different football, different philosophies, everything. The two point conversion was in the AFL. Names in the back of jersey. Like, there's a, I mean, yeah. we, a lot of people, we've talked about it before on this show, hundreds of episodes ago, uh, even at this point. But the yeah. AFL was incredibly innovative, right? They were meant for TV. They, they, all the TV deals, the, the camera angles, all that stuff. You know, uh, if, if I'm, if I'm a TV producer, if I'm somebody who's going to back, you know, back this thing in any way, whether it be TV, radio, whatever it is, and the AFL comes to me and proposes this much, bigger presentation of professional football at bigger stadiums at in, in bigger uh, towns and cities, right. You know, pretty, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't there in the 1960s. I I was 31 years away from (laughs) being (laughs) conceived, but you know, these are all big name cities. That stuff doesn't, doesn't happen overnight. You know, that, that kind of stuff is, just doesn't happen overnight. And you look at old pictures from the 1960s, these big stadiums and, um, you know, it, and just the, the, the bright color, just they did a really good job of selling themselves. I'm going to invest in this alternative product. Wow, this sounds way better than what we have. Especially like the passing game was more relevant. So therefore, it is way more exciting. Yes. And even if, I know it's the sixties, even if you don't have a television in your home and you have to listen to it on the radio, say you're in your garage doing something and you listen to the game, you know, a giant pass from Hadel to Allworth sounds a lot better than a run up the middle. Yes. 
a million times better. And yes, I mean, that is true. AFL was a lot more prominent in pushing the passing game than the NFL was, right? You know, it, early on, it was run, run, run. You know, what's who's the best running team? A lot of rules that the NFL had uh, between 1920 and the growth of the AFL did not make the league a very pass happy league, right? Uh, an incompletion was a, it was an intercept, was a turnover. There was, you know, we faced all that. We, what was it? Not until the thirties. If you had a, if you were to throw a forward pass, you had to be five yards behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Like all sorts of just rules that just made passing way, way more complicated. And the AFL was like, no, we, this is the most exciting part of the game is it is a deep pass. Let's go all in on it. And they, uh, you know, and, and they did. So, you know, that that's all innovation right there. And yeah, that makes it the game a lot more exciting. So, I, I mean, I think we do have professional football. Um, it, if, if that rabbit hole slash multiverse slash timeline <laughs> was, was to occur, I think, you know, it, it, football would still be, and it's, I think, I mean, maybe in its infancy as far as really hitting that main stride, you know, that it, if the AFL comes in and takes over, there's no such thing as a Super Bowl. There's no reason to want to compete with uh, inferior National Football League. Maybe they buy out a couple of the bigger teams, right? Maybe, you know, maybe Chicago come on down. Maybe they, you know, New York City, maybe the teams are the same. You know, they, they buy out some of those older teams and phase out some of the crap ones. But I don't know. I, I, I The landscape would be vastly different. AFL, you know, was was awesome from the get-go. It was it was big time from the get go. You know, Minnesota doesn't go jump to the NFL and, and you know towards the end of the nineteen sixties they, they they go to the AFL. Ooh, Atlanta, New Orleans, yeah, because you can you could you know it's one of those things where you're showing a product kind of like the whole thing with Joe Namath. Why did Joe Namath go to the AFL? He, he was drafted by the. St. Louis Cardinals at that point. Going to went to the NFL. The NFL is running rough shot over the AFL when it comes to things. And then here comes Joe Namath. He he could be here. He, he was pretty much going to be the poster boy. And he chose it because they had a team in a bigger market. So if you keep these teams and they just say in these smaller markets and not saying so much expanding, who wants, do you want to go to the Rock Island Independence or do you want to go to the New York, to the New York Jets? And a guy like Joe Namath, could you imagine him in a small market? No, I can't. I mean, he'd prop up that market, but it just, it doesn't fit his personality retrospectively. You've, you've seen it in the NFL though, where guys have drowned in small market teams because they're not getting the exposure that they should. There's some decent players out there that have just been stuck with small market teams. We just talked about Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas is a Hall of Famer and everything, but in a How way, much more accomplished he'd be if he got yeah, out of Cleveland. Yeah, if he played for the Giants or even the Jets or the Rams. I mean, people talk about Andrew Whitworth like he's the greatest left tackle ever. He's a great left tackle, but is and he was relatively unknown when he played for the Bengals until he went to Los Angeles. Right. So I think that's one of those things as well as you're you're going to be in a smaller market team. You're going to be the big fish in a small pond. But I think a lot of guys thrive being this being a big fish in a big pond and seeing how much publicity they can get. And that's guys like Namath. I think OBJ is one of them too. That thrives in a larger market. He doesn't want to. You want to play in a smaller, right? Yeah. I mean, it's better for his brand. It's better for branding. You know, in this day and age, with branding is everything. Yeah, it's it's definitely better to 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 go to a big, a big a big team like that. No doubt about it. Uh, well, that's 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 yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of where my head's at. Is that you know maybe it still does come along, but listen, the AFL is paying people a million times better than the NFL did. The NFL had to wait, you know, until 
they acquired the AFL. They didn't want to be competitive as far as pay goes, and it, it took a while. Um, where these AFL guys are throwing all sorts of money at these players coming out right out of college and changing their lives. So I still think that, you know, it, maybe pro football is this, maybe it pans out the same. That's, of course, if the AFL, the idea, the concept of the AFL comes to be and, and comes to be the way that we think it could be. But do you, do you think the rules change as fast as much? Do you think we get. You know, like the passing rules changed and everything else. I think the rules are a lot more. I think the rules are a lot more fair. I feel like the AFL did better for pro football than the NFL did pre pre preceding that. And like, I just feel like they they just they knew how to make a a product that was wanted to be watched by a lot of people. Right, they they knew how to push they knew how to push the boundaries is basically what I'm saying. NFL, they were like they were okay, right? You know what I mean? They were okay yeah. with 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 some of the drag and, and and some of it, but it's always been these outside places, these outside uh, you know leagues that have come in and and helped change the NFL. Always has, always has. AFL, USFL, the XFL, original, XFL the original AFAA. Um, you know, those have all changed. Uh, World League, World League. Yeah. You know, th- these have all have positive effects on the game of NFL, and the NFL isn't changing. It's 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 static. It's boring if these teams don't come around and, and bring some innovation around. And we probably don't get the greatest game ever played. Probably not. And probably we not. Don't get to, we don't get to witness kind of the birth of the two minute drill until we get into the AFL type type game. Right. But so I think I, we, I think we well, hit it. Yeah. I think we just lose a lot. And a lot of, we lose a lot of history. Yeah. And we're talking more AFL. I don't think we're doing this. I don't think we're doing this podcast. I think we're in a very more small niche market. I think we're maybe not talking NFL, but like you said, we're talking AFL or maybe we're talking more different pro leagues going out there. Right. Yeah. Who and, knows? Who knows? There's a lot of, it's a long, it's a long period of time, period of time. There's a lot of variables as far as uh, you know, what, what's to come at the end, but, um, but yeah, who knows, who knows what, uh, what, what the, what pro football would look like if, if that would happen. That's why we just, we did this episode. We want to theorize on a little bit, do something different. It's really easy to pick a quarterback missing out on something or, this and that, but you know, we can kind of just imagine this completely different, like viewing of, of a pro uh, of a pro sport like football. It's uh, it'd be pretty cool. So, I mean, listeners, we have people reach out to us all the time, Facebook, email. Um, I hate Twitter. I hate Instagram, but uh, we want to reach out. We want to hear what you think, what pro football would look like if, you know, the NFL didn't really you know grow if it didn't reach out and grow and become better than you know it did if it just kept those those markets and you know would it would it would it ever ever achieved you know to surpass baseball and, and all those other sports or would it be like a like a soccer in the, in north america or like wrestling or some of these other places i want to know your thoughts we really do care and value your opinions um you know when we do these episodes so please let us know Yes, it's it's always great to hear feedback and hear different different theories of things and you know even drop a even drop a what if if you want to explore what if or you've yeah. always thought about it you know drop one in it doesn't always have to be Matt and I coming up with the what ifs we like different ones we used one last year from was it John. Yeah, John from I think he was from Indianapolis or something, right? Or, uh, I think he was around that. Yeah, it's around that area. He made a reference to it, but he, yeah, um, John was it? Yeah, John B. And he yeah. gave us a really cool suggestion at the end of the year um, about the the Jets and the Chiefs and shaking up the eighty eight eighty nine NFL draft. 89. So, yeah, a lot of cool stuff to happen from there. We love suggestions. We like to explore the possibilities. So please send us one. Uh, but that is it, everybody. Thank you so much. Make sure you uh, tune in for the rest of this week. We have plenty of good episodes uh, for you. We're getting into full off-season mode now with some of our games. 
Um, but yeah, thank you as always. And on behalf of Andrew and I, till next time, the two point conversation is good. Yeah, spot.